Hunting boots are a critical component of any successful hunt. Whether walking a short distance to your blind or trudging miles through rugged terrain, your feet are carrying the load. Without the right boots, you could give up early and lose out on that trophy just over the ridge. At Midway USA, we make selecting boots for your next hunt easier. With just a few clicks of a mouse, you can decide on what's important, like waterproofing, insulation, size, width, and savings. For just about everything for shooting, hunting, and the outdoors, check out MidwayUSA.com. Boat Trader is America's largest boating marketplace with over 100,000 boats to choose from. We offer simple, comprehensive solutions for those looking to sell, find, and finance new or used boats. Visit BoatTrader.com to get started. Oh, here we go, boys. Go. Oh, I love that sound. This is a good one. Hey everybody and welcome to the Waterfall Wednesday edition of the Full Scale Outdoor Podcast. I'm your host, Nick Johnson, joined today by my co-host, Dale Lugendale. How you doing, Dale? Yeah, again, I'm officially have been demoted to co-host. This is fantastic. <laughs> yeah, you miss a bunch of weeks and then you become co-host. And I'm totally okay host. with that. Just, yeah, me I'm too. ready for that phone call where you're like... Um, the audience is alright with it too. I got the ring. Yeah, I know. I've heard. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just fucking with you. Uh, I have not just... had anybody say that to me except three people. I've I'm only had like one of my closest friends tell me that like a long time ago. He's like, <laughs> he's like, no offense, dude, but I kind of like Nick Solo ones. I'm like, whatever. So, yeah, but so do I. That was a long time ago. That was a long time ago. <laughs> I've really fallen off. <laughs> no, I actually think you've gotten quite better at it, actually. Uh, tell him. Don't inflate my ego. Oh, I my have to. If I'm going to fully pass this off to you at some point in time, so it's just one less thing in my plate, how else am I going to do that if I don't inflate your ego? Well, okay, inflate it. Go. go. <laughs> Bl- blow on it a little bit. All right, blow on it like an award-winning <laughs> duck call. You know something about that. I won the Great Lakes Open Regional Duck Calling Championship Let's this last weekend. Go. Let's go. It was fun. It was fun as shit. Um, Rob Miles the third was there. He blew extremely well. And then another guy, God, I can't remember his name. Young guy. He qualified for worlds last year. Really, really good duck caller. Um, but yeah, the competition was a lot of fun. I just happened to win because those other guys, um, made just a look, you know, like minus one, minus two type mistakes in one of their rounds. And I blew clean. So I was nice. like, okay, if I, so, uh, you know, when something like that happens, if uh, your com- competition has made a mistake and you have not yet, boy, round three is scary. Oof, I bet. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So round three is the final round. And, uh, you know, there's a couple other guys there that are very, very, very good duck callers. And they have made, like, minor mistakes. Not enough to kick them out of the contest, but enough to where it might edge me in front. And then I get up for round three. I'm um blowing caller number one in round three and uh so i i get up and you got 90 seconds to not screw this up that that's you know competition calling like uh, there's a guy there too uh it's so exciting 
he gets off stage. It's his very first time ever blowing in a contest. Uh, he's from Ontario, but so he uh, gets his butt kicked as everybody does their very, very first contest. And he's just shaking like a leaf when he gets off stage. And I was like, don't worry about it, man. I'll show you when I get off stage. You know, here it is, my 150th or 200th contest. I get off stage and I show him my hand. You know, it's shaking like a leaf too. I'm like, dude, <laughs> that's why this is fun, man. That's that that never goes away. You, it, and the, the there's like six people in the crowd. You know, like, <laughs> right, right, right. Nobody. It does not. It's not the crowd size. It's uh, it's just. Putting on display what you've been practicing and getting judged for it. It's so so scary and so exciting and so much fun. I, I just love competition calling. Yeah, and uh, uh, Joe was just in a calling contest, too, down in, like, Rochester, wasn't he? Wasn't there something down yep. there? He took that was second, the, I believe. Yes, that was the Coyote Creek um, contest. I talked to him uh, yesterday a little bit, and uh, Joe Heinz was telling me that there was like 15 people in the novice contest down there and like nine in the open, which is, uh, that's, that's good. I think it was, he said just for the Minnesota too, like only Minnesota guys, which Minnesota is just absolutely stacked with um, very, very talented goose callers. But it's awesome that uh, uh, all those people came out to the contest down in uh, Rochester for the Coyote Creek contest and, yeah, uh, Austin Shelander won that one, the Minnesota State contest. So we have a new Minnesota State champion in Sweet. their midst. Do you yeah. think? Do you think there's a an, an, a trend upwards in interest in competition calling? Because I remember when we first kind of started talking about this. You're like it was kind of dying off a little bit, but it seems Boy, like it's it would be ticking upwards. It would be it would be tough for interest in competition calling to get much lower. Really. Um. You know, about 10 years ago or so, I started bringing a Sony Handycam to all these contests and um, recording each contest and then just uploading the raw footage onto YouTube. And I was like, boy, this is going to help so many people get into contest calling because they're going to be able to see what they can do. Like, just how do I do a contest? Oh, I'll just watch this raw footage, you know, and be able to emulate the people on stage. I almost feel like that had a negative impact on contest calling uh, because I think some people like instead of actually showing up to a contest, like kind of ignorant to it and just getting their ass kicked, people might be like, watch the contest footage. And I'm like, boy, I could never do that. And get intimidated you know and not I mean? even, and not even try. Uh, maybe. Right. Right. But when you get, when you show up and get your ass kicked, you get your judges notes and you're like, I got a two, two and a three. Like, okay, well shit. Well, I want to do better. I want to see if I can maybe get some fours out of these judges or something, you know? So I feel like just for people, people just showing up ignorant, getting their butts kicked. Sometimes that is what it takes just to get involved in it. And, uh, you know, I hear so many, I hear a lot of people, that have uh i've been talking to about contest calling like i'm not going to do the novice this year but i'm going to do it next year I'm like what like get in that thing get your ass kicked now because like you're gonna have to get your ass kicked like someday you might as well get it done right now so you can get that part over with it sounds kind of similar to like i don't know if you listen to joe rogan but 
he talks about oh, like, yeah, stand, he talks about like, stand up all the time like in that kind of very same thing it's like dude you got to do your open mic nights when you're when you're first starting out and for a long time because you just got to go up there and eat shit as he says you know like yeah 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 like what is the dude I, I first of all i love joe rogan podcast i listen to a ton of them all the time but yeah you're exactly right he, he says like um what does he say bombing on stage is like sucking a thousand dicks in front of your mother <laughs> <laughs> something like that <laughs> something like that well you know what like if you really are out there and you want to do a competition duck calling or, or a duck calling contest or a goose calling contest there is you're just going to have to go through a time where you're gonna get your fucking ass kicked and then that once the initial ass kicking is over then you have to go through the really brutal part of like getting better and starting to get cut in second round and being like well i've put this much fucking effort into it like when you get to that point too like when you are getting cut second round or you're maybe like, okay, the winner of the contest is getting sixes and sevens, and you're getting fours and fives. Like, that is a really brutal time, because the judges' notes really aren't helpful anymore. And um, you just got to keep trying and trying. And you're like, God damn it, I'm already three years into this. Like, am I ever going to start seeing a return on my entry fees? Yeah. <laughs> you know, and like, I actually, uh, I was talking to a guy who is in that place um, and he's wanting, you know, wanting notes and he's good. You know, he was, I'm not going to name names or anything like that or call anybody out, but this guy was, is very, very good at goose calling, but he's getting like sixth place. Right. And that's just, it's a precarious position to be in because you start asking for judges notes and judges are like, eh, you know, uh, uh, you know, your comeback could be stronger. But when you're in that position where you're getting fifth, fourth place, fifth place, sixth place, seventh place, you know how a routine works. You're already getting to the point where you're really good at it, but you're not over. You haven't crescendoed over yet to where you're getting that second, third, fourth, first, second, third, fourth place. Right. Mm -hmm. and, and there's almost like nobody. There's not one piece of advice that somebody's going to give you like, Oh, what you need to do is add a uh, add a little bit of this thing to your transition. You know, like that's not going to get you into that next bracket. The the what it really takes is very 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 harsh self reflection, recording contests, and then that, that that's what it took for me. It took me. It took me. I was the Minnesota State champion like two thousand six, seven, and eight. And I, so I got to World Duck Calling Championship those years, and I did not return to the World Duck until 2011. So it took me three years before I could win a regional because Minnesota had a three and out rule. Mm. And what it took was me, you know, you know, year one, you know, 2009, 2010, I'm like getting judges notes and they're like, work on your feed call or something, you know, get that feed call a little better. And I'd work on my feed call and I'd get it better. And I'd get sixth place. And then the the same judge would be like, work on your comeback call. You know, like it, it just sure. it stopped. It stopped being productive to talk to the judges. And I really had to just sit down and watch the footage. And there was guys I watched like um, Mike Steinmeier and uh, Logan Hancock. These guys that are world champions today. But back then they weren't. But I just looked up to them. And I'd watch their routine. And I'd say, that's a seven. And I'd watch my routine and be like, 
that's a five. And I know why. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And, uh, and you just got to – I would actually take a, my Sony Handycam footage and I would edit it. Um, so it would be like me blowing my hail call and then Steiny blowing his hail call. And then me blowing my greeting call and then Logan Hancock blowing his greeting call. And you could just hear the difference that just the reason they won is because they're better. Well, obviously. <laughs> right. But that's, what, you know, like, that's that that's a tough position for a contest caller to be in. And then after that, then you can start to get to the point where you're actually getting first, second, thirds, you know, once you go through that brutal self-reflection. But anyways, what were we talking about, speaking Joe the, Rogan? Speaking the <laughs> but to make it analogous to the stand-up community thing, do you feel like it's a tight-knit community of contest callers? Like, are people open? Oh. Are your competitors open to like giving you advice and listening to your routine and helping you where they think? Absolutely. And the number one thing, like if you're uh, a competition, a guy that wants to get into competition calling, is get in the contest because when your face is recognized in the bullpen and uh, you are you've got skin in the game, you're not an aspiring contest caller anymore. Like you're a contest caller, and if you want. Uh, my advice on how to improve things like then i it's so much easier to be like hey nick i blew with you at the great lakes open regional duck flying contest this weekend congrats on the win um could you help me out a little bit go through some notes oh yeah 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 i saw you in there in round one um that's awesome you want notes and you want to continue doing this after that severe ass kicking you just took (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> no but that that's was something i was thinking when we first started talking about this you know for the like when you said you may have heard people like now they're just not coming out and they're like oh i'm not that good so i'm just gonna wait i'll do it next year and then they you know next year right. becomes next year becomes next year becomes next year but if you actually right. go to the game fair let's say and sign up for the rookie what do they call it what is it the novice, uh, novice. And we do have a novice goose there this year so Sign up for the novice and just go get it. And then, like, don't even worry about, like, really trying to win because you should know that you're not going to right out of the gate. But then all of a sudden now you're rubbing elbows with the Nick Jays of the world, with the Joe Heinz of the world, with the Trinans of the world, or, you know, whoever the case might right. be. Like, And so you get on a first-name basis with these guys, and then now you're, like, in the club. Right, and the great thing about being a novice is, too, is you can do the novice, and then you can do the open. So you get to your, the, the opportunity to get your ass kicked twice. Oh, what an opportunity. <laughs> <laughs> but it's a really good opportunity to meet everybody, get more stage time. Um, you basically, you're paying for the experience at that point, you know, like to learn more about the stage, to learn more about how everything is ran at a contest. And, uh, yeah, it's just a lot of fun. It's There's just no- a lot of fun to there's no experience like just doing it. I mean, and I mean, that can go for literally anything. You know, if you're just reading books or watching YouTube videos, you're like, Oh, I think I can, uh, build a car. It's like, until you actually get in there and start swinging wrenches around, you're like, no, you're not. No, you can't. You can't. You're like, you have right. to, you have to do it. You have to physically go do it. And if you're just blowing your call in your garage and nobody else is hearing it, but you, who's going to correct you? What do you have to compare it to? You know? Like it's right, just, it's just right. never, it's never going to go to that next level. So, so everybody listening to this, if you haven't thought about it, is it too late to sign up for like novice for game fair or can people still get absolutely in it? Absolutely not. Absolutely right. not. Come by to get, come by game fair, sign up for the novice, go to, um, get your buddies to go to a calling contest trip, you know, go to dive bomb or go to Presley's, go wherever and do it. Get, get into a contest, uh, 
Gapers. Maybe work a booth for a com- maybe work a booth at a company you like, you know, like there you go. Um yeah, go to go to a waterfall event, work a booth, um, jump in the contest, meet some people. It's a great time. Yeah, so if anybody's out there been on the fence, just jump off the fence, do it this year. Game first coming up. What is it, like two weeks away? Come on out, get your fucking ass kicked. <laughs> <laughs> you gotta get it out of the way at some point. Well, yeah. You're gonna have you're gonna have to eat shit, all right? You're not coming out. Come on, winning. it's only Although, it's only a thousand dicks in front of your mom. It could be it's worse. Only a thousand dicks in front of your mother. Yeah. <laughs> it, could, it could be worse. Come on. It's not a thousand one. <laughs> as long as you keep as long as you keep practicing, those dicks go easier and easier. <laughs> oh my god. You just keep getting uh, better at it. But yeah, so um, here's our contest lineup for Game Fair. Um, Saturday, August. 20th we at so all the all the contests are in the second weekend so not this coming weekend the second weekend saturday august 20th 9 30 a.m we got a youth duck calling championship 10 a.m we got the youth goose calling championship 11 a.m we got a regional duck calling championship the bernie boyle regional this will get you to the world championships if you win it um at 12 30 we got another regional the game fair regional duck calling contest and then at 2 p.m. we got the Minnesota State Duck Calling Championship, and then 3 p.m. we got an open meat calling contest. Difference between a meat contest and a Main Street World Championship sanction contest is meat contests are following the same routine, but they don't have any ringing hails or rolling feeds, so they're more hunting style calling. Um, Sunday, August 21st, we got the Novice Goose Calling Championship. Then we got an open goose calling championship at 11.30. And then at uh, 1 p.m., we have a two-man goose calling championship. So that should be a hell of a lot of fun. There should be some of the best duck and goose calling in the region. And, uh, I mean, there's going to be guys coming out. We've got three sanctioned duck calling contests. we got an open meat contest. we got some uh, novice contests um, for goose. Uh, yeah, it should be a lot of good contests. A lot of good um if you just want to come out and watch, come out and watch this stuff, man. This stuff is is pretty. I'm a fan personally. I'm a fan. Well, I mean, that goes. I mean, I'm a fan, but I don't do it. I don't really have any interest either. But it is fun to watch, actually. Yeah, it like is. just uh, just the to watch, especially like uh, the open meet for a spectator. Where that's that's a fun one, I think, for a spectator to watch. Be cool. I mean, game fair is cool, anyways, but. I'm I do too. Yeah, up there on a water waterfall hill. Um, and you got stuff coming up. You're doing the kids thing again, right? Eleven a.m. is what I've been told. Eleven a.m. every single day of game fair. I just got like a fifty pound box of duck calls from Buck Gardner Calls. I've got a free duck call for every kid in attendance. What's the age cutoff for that? Can I be a forty nine year old kid? Let's just let's just let's just say you're not getting a call. <laughs> Damn it. Damn it. I'm just kidding. I'll give you one. No, sweet. That's awesome. Will you sign I'm it? I'm just kidding. No, you're not getting one. Damn it. So harsh. <laughs> so harsh. <laughs> um, the age cutoff is like, if you got a mustache, the answer is no. <laughs> so shave, I, I'm not, shave I'm not before checking, you go. I'm not checking IDs or anything well, like yeah, that. I but, just... I mean, let's say, like, 14, 15, 16. I don't know if you're a kid and you want a duck call and there's, I mean, I'll give you a duck call. No. 
All right, cool. That sounds awesome. I'm getting, I'm getting pretty pumped up for it. I mean, that's like, that's it. That's like almost the official start of fall right there. It's Game Farm. I mean, it's or Game Fair. It's uh, Game Fair. Yeah, yeah. Man, I mean, it's like the next day. I mean, it's not, but almost. It's like boom. You're, you're swatting mosquitoes, waiting for those hawkers to fly in. It's just that fast. I know, man. Or I teal. can't wait. On Sunday after Game Fair, I am leaving. I'm leaving Minnesota and I'm headed to North Dakota right. to uh, hunt those to sweat your August balls honkers. off out there. It should be so much misery. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so not excited for it, dude. Bring your white box. Just hunt on that. It's <laughs> such a good, it's a good idea. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck it. I bet you still kill birds. We're gonna go out there with um I'm gonna have Zach Rutledge and uh he's the he works for Pacific Calls. We're gonna be doing a bunch of media and then we got Wade Shoemaker coming with us. Hmm. Sounds like a pretty good Waterfall Wednesday episode to me. Yeah, maybe I will be able to do that next week because i probably won't be shooting geese this time <laughs> <You know? laughs> but think about it man like six days from now is a sunrise which you can be killing canada geese in this country if you're in north Dakota. so if you haven't Damn. bought the goose tech app then what are you doing what are you waiting for buddy right get in it and if you haven't purchased a nick johnson signature series call what are you waiting for Exactly. Get get to Game Fair. I'm waiting for Johnson personally. I'm waiting for a discount, call. but that's just me. I can't give that to you. <laughs> I can't get. I can't do that. I can't, I can't do anything. It. No, I can't either, man. Thought I had some influence. Apparently not. I, well, I thought I did too, but I don't. Well, only 999 dicks mark to go. That's fine. <laughs> <laughs> it's not that bad. Some people like doing that. Yeah, some people choose to do it. I don't know about a thousand of them. That's a lot. But I this mean, is like two. This, you probably didn't listen to the, the latest episode of my almost six-hour flight companion that we just did. But there was a lot of conversation surrounding um, the sucking of dicks in that one, too. I don't know why it's a, a recurring topic here. You keep bringing it up, Dale. <laughs> Freud would have something to say about that, I suppose. Uh, all right, what else can we talk about? Speaking of teal. That's it. Teal? Teal season? That's a thing. I'm going to actually thing. try to do that this year. I, I said I was going to try it last year, and I never did. Uh, so I'm going to actually try. I think, I'm gonna, I think I might just do, like, grab the old the kayak and just do one of those kind of deals. Don't do it. Don't Why? do it, Dale. Why? Because you're going to contribute to scaring all the mallards oh, out of the state. Oh, that's right. Yeah. <sighs> all right. You'll be part of the problem. There's going to be. I just don't want to pull a outdoor, groin. There's going and... to be an outdoor writer named Dennis Anderson. Oh my God. That's good. <laughs> that will be hunting <sighs> on opening morning, and he will be mad at you because he's not going to shoot anything. Dennis Anderson will not be shooting anything on opening morning. You think he he's going to write about guessed. it? Can we get him on? He's gonna, just oh roast my God. <laughs> Dude, he's actually wrote a couple articles that I enjoyed recently. I, I assume. You know, part of I kind of try to cut him some slack and a lot of other, like, kind of like the sports writer people because after a while you, like, run out of things to write about. You know what I mean? Like, I feel like sometimes and then you just start just 
bitching. Yeah, well, I feel like they just kind of reach for things and they just like make it a story. They probably don't even believe ninety eight percent of the shit they're putting down on paper, but they got to put it. You know, but they're getting paid to write an article about something, so. Yeah, write an article. Oh, all right, teal season, scaring not, all the ducks out of here. Not to mention, it's been a tried and true tactic to write articles on purpose that you know will piss people off to get traction online. Like that's like, of course, those get the clicks and those get the comments. If if everybody's in agreement, you hardly get any action. People read it and they're like, oh yeah, I, I agree with that. Scroll. They don't even take time to like like it or anything. They're just like, you, yeah, I agree oh, with that. Dude, do you remember that? Uh, it was a waterfall Wednesday a long time ago, let's say six months ago, that a guy wrote something about is um, the commercialization of waterfall hunting ruining hunting, basically. Yeah. Okay. That guy wrote, uh, and that was for Field and Stream. If you Google, is the commercialization of waterfall hunting ruining something? If you Google that, you'll find the article. But like, after we talked about that, that was like the main conversation we talked about on Waterfall of Wednesday. Do you remember that? I do. Okay. Like, a couple few weeks after that, I saw another crazy sensationalized article in the same publication that was about people sky, people sky busting and how somebody had gone into a spot that these people could have hunted smartly for four days and shot their limits and got in and out. But these jackholes were sky-busting at everything they saw. It was the same writer, and I'm like, ah, uh, fuck, he got, he got me. <laughs> yep. He fucking got me. This is a guy they hired to write articles about, um, what is it called, uh... Um, uh, clickbait, social, clickbait, clickbait, and uh, just goddamn it! I social, can't think of the word recreational right now. outrage. Recreational outrage, or um, putting yourself on a pedestal, like by claiming how good your values are sure. compared to the general public's values. You know, like everything would be so much better if everybody had my values. Yeah, if they just hunted the way I hunted. It would be if my dad yeah. would have raised everybody. This would be so much, you know, like that sort of yeah. shit. And I was yeah. like, ah, the, that motherfucker got me. Hold on. The gatekeeping. I got a phone. I got a phone. I got a phone right in my hand. I'm going to just Google it. Is the commercialization. The answer to that is water fowl hunting. All right. I'm just putting that in. All right. Is commercialization of water fowl good for duck hunting? It was in the outdoor life. This was a topic of conversation for us, and it was by Joe Genzel. So let's just do a Joe Genzel. That sounds like a guy who hunts in Tweed. Life. Dude, I want to hunt in Tweed. <laughs> for, for sure, <laughs> that guy has a leather Come shooting on, patch dude. on his shirt. Dude, I want to sure. fucking. I want to hunt. You know what I was looking up the other day? Um, shotgun air rifle shot not air rifle what? shotgun shotgun air guns they're a thing now really they're not they're, they're not very good yet but in a few years i'm pretty sure i can get that felony and i'll be still on <laughs> <laughs> like, um, once that technology some, gets better look out banks once those once that technology gets better man for sure i'm getting a felony well you posted a link okay. to uh, not to derail you oh go ahead that won't derail you yet did you find what Joe you're looking Genzel, for? 
Joe Genzel, senior editor. Uh-huh, uh-huh, uh-huh. Latest from Joe Genzel. The most underrated hunting dog breeds. Yeah, that actually, I sound, I, I'm kind of wanting to read that. The biggest shotguns of all time also sounds cool. Mm-hmm. How to take high percentage shots on dove opener and hit more birds. Okay, also sounds pretty, pretty good. My argument against this guy is falling apart. <laughs> <laughs> oh shit he wrote that article smoke a goose with the wings still on waterfall importation ban could cause confusions at the canadian border i read that article i didn't realize it was by joe genzel but it's totally misleading about talking about how people can't bring uh-huh. birds back from the canadian okay, so he's canada he's bolstering my point in that they just they have to write articles so they just grab a topic and then they they write and they might not even agree with it but it's like you, they have a deadline they gotta meet it so there it is. I think so. I think so. It looks like he's got a mix here of of uh, clickbaity articles and actually some some interesting articles that I would you know I'd sure. click on them and I'd read them. They're not clickbaity, outragey things like how to take high percentage shots on dove opener and hit more birds. Sounds cool. The biggest shotguns of all time. Sounds cool. Underrated hunting dogs. Cool. But we know that he's also written some clickbaity stuff. So he's probably like. You know, gets a hair up his ass one week, and I don't know. Is that any different from what we do? When no. all of a sudden I want to talk shit about a frames for an entire fucking hour, <laughs> <laughs> no, <laughs> which I really. totally. I, if you got another hour, I'll talk shit about a frames for the rest of this for the for the rest of the fucking night. I mean, I like hunting out of them. I haven't heard hawkers out of them. I, I hunt snow geese last year, and I really liked it. Mm-hmm. But migrating snow geese aren't they always? They are. Yeah, that's a good point. Aren't they always? <laughs> Aren't they always? Um, <laughs> are snow geese ever not migrating? Yeah. Yeah. It's a resident yeah. snow goose population. Technically, right. when they're nesting, pretty much. Um, but speaking of the snow geese, you <laughs> posted an article on your Snap that I read, and it was uh, talking about. That was the... a good article. Yeah, I thought it was bullshit. I feel like we've well, we've that's... covered well. We've covered art. We've covered articles that are more recent that kind of dispute what that article was saying as far as like the the impact it was having on other species like that was the big concern but now that they're finding out that that's okay that hasn't really happened because the birds just shift okay. to where the food is the article is called snow geese were almost hunted to extinction in a climate twist the population is exploding is that what you're talking about yes okay and this is by nancy mcdonald out of Puck Toyaktuk, Northwest Territories. And what I really enjoyed about this article, what? It says it's only available to subscribers now. Anyways, what I enjoyed about that article was it talking about hunting snow geese in the Northwest Territories. And it was talking about how guys are going out into the bay to hunt them and like how they had to skip their snowmobiles across like 30 yards of open water to get to the ice in the bay. And uh, go set out snow goose spreads on the ice. That, that would be I cool. thought was pretty dope. That would be cool. That's kind of what I kind of dug about. Oh, that that's what you took. That's what that's what you took away. See, I like breeze past that point, and I was looking at more of the the, the more inflammatory things that the that she was writing about. And it, but when was that written? It was pretty old, actually. I feel like. It's like yeah, it was from no, it was from August sixth of this year. I wonder if we're not yeah. talking. We might. I don't know why. Be, well, we might not be talking about the same article. It won't let me read it now. It says I need it. Maybe I was only able to read it once or something like that. Hmm. 
Mm. Anyways, the the well, at least the article that I read was had talking about. I mean, climate change was in there because you just can't write an article about an animal these days without putting that in there. But the kind of the fears that biologists first had about you know they're overgrazing the tundra. It's gonna this huge cascading snowballing effect. You know dominoes are going to fall animals are going to be dying left and right and they just they haven't really seen that impact they haven't seen population impact on other species what they're seeing is yeah, they're, I don't, just, they're I don't just shifting they around so when they overgraze an area they just move on to another area and then that area right while it takes a long time to grow back it does eventually grow back because nothing is there disturbing it because there's no food there so it right and it, there's I don't know. There's some good articles about that. I, and I've read through a couple of them and I can't really remember exactly, but there's a problem. Like when you start to, a lot of those plants use like along the Hudson Bay, they use the salt water and, the, and uh, take some of the salt out of it. And when those plants are no longer there, the soil becomes extra, extra salty. Mm. I might be talking, I might be talking out of my I ass. I could see that because the minerals, yeah, I, I think, can see plants I, taking in some of I, the mineral. I think what you're saying is correct in that um, impacts are not as severe as they feared they would be. Yeah. When they first wanted to start hunting snow geese, uh, like in the spring, when there was first like that mass fear that snow geese were gonna explode or whatever. Right. Well, I mean, which and and they did. I mean, the population is still at like what, fifteen million or something. Of the last right. like it's still a lot, but it doesn't seem to be having at least as much of a, a negative impact as they thought. What I find interesting is how they, you know, in the 80s, they went from like being really rare to now they're just like everywhere. And what's that, snow geese? Yeah, and kind of geese, yeah, my... geese in general, really, of all kinds. Because in the 80s, right. I remember my... somebody shot a honker in the 80s, like, dude, everybody heard about it. Right, yeah, like my dad talks about that stuff. Um, about like if you shot a couple of geese in a weekend, you might you might get your picture in the paper. Yeah, yeah. My dad was born in 1951, and he started hunting when he was like uh, 17 or 18. My dad's uh, worked got a job at the Dairy Freeze in Montevideo, Minnesota, when he was like 16 or 17, and the owner of the Dairy Freeze was a big goose hunter who would go out to Lacaparo and started taking my dad. That's how my dad got into goose hunting. My grandpa didn't hunt. My, my dad... Go ahead. I feel like that's the only place a goose ever got killed was Laquaparo. I know you never right, you right. never like, hear somebody mention Laquaparo anymore. No, and like if you wanted to shoot a goose in Minnesota, you basically went to Laquaparo. That was like the spot. Right. Because that's where the EPPs came through. And there was really no such thing as um, local giants. Local giants really got hunt, did get hunted extinction for damn near 50 years. And it wasn't just hunting them in the fall. It was hunting them in the spring and harvesting their eggs. Really? That's real. Yeah, because people would go out and they'd take duck eggs and goose eggs. Well, the easiest fucking eggs to find out on the prairie were nests of giant Canada geese that go take the eggs. They still do that, you know, like uh, subsist, subsistence harvest in... Alaska and stuff. You know, they're taking king eider eggs and shit. Oh, wow. I didn't know that. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. Those like the subsistence hmm. hunting covers egg harvesting as well. Hmm. But so, anyways, like my dad would go out, and he told me like in those days, he told me some some real interesting stuff. Uh, like my dad would say, back in the day, he would see maybe half Canada geese and half snow geese out of all the birds he saw at Lac Caparo. And because, um, I mean, EPPs and snow geese do nest in a similar area. Mm-hmm. And so he said, and the snow geese were known to be very stupid. For back, those who might not know what EPP is, give them the acronym. Oh, an EPP goose is uh, what traditionally was the only geese that would migrate through Minnesota, basically, when there was no resident geese. These are the eastern prairie population. It's a population of geese that nest on the Hudson Bay in far northern Canada, and they would make their way south, and one of their migration checkpoints was Lac Caparo. So the only real place to hunt a good concentration of Canada geese was Lac Caparo. And by hunt, I mean pass shoot. And by pass shoot, I mean a 40-inch barrel and double-odd <laughs> double buck lead. Jesus. That's what everybody shot. So, And my dad said they'd go to the firing line, which was the ditch, the road ditch outside the refuge, and basically, everybody would line up in the firing line, and as the geese would come out to go feed, you would get up, stick that 40-inch barrel goose gun bolt-action marlin to the sky, and just shoot eight pellets of double-odd buck up at passing geese. My dad said, um, back in those days, he's like, I've seen geese fall from 125 to 150 yards all the time. Hmm. You know, because they'd just catch one lucky pellet under the shoulder or under the chin. Say, how, but how, like, what's the bird per shot ratio? Like, sure, that might happen, but can you imagine? Like, God, you got to get lucky. You're throwing six BBs up there. Like, <laughs> God. But other than that, man, like, dudes in the 60s and 70s and 80s that really wanted to hunt geese, they did. They, they went to uh, Canada. Well, I mean, it, you know, you talk about the good old days of when, you know, the skies were black with ducks. And, and while we might not be there, unless you're talking snow geese in the spring, we might kind of be living in the good old days. I mean, we've got a shit ton of ducks, at least here in our flyway. I know, like, on the East Coast, the mallards are not doing so great, and they keep reducing the limits out there. But here, it's like, when's the last time we haven't had our full federal, you know, allotment of full 60 day season not in my lifetime and i've been hunting since 99 yeah i mean it's we always get it like that even when there's like oh there's a dip in the numbers it's like doesn't really affect our seasons hasn't affected our limits like certain species sure like the bluebills you know and like canvasbacks i do remember some years where you couldn't shoot any canvasbacks and then it was one yeah or they had like a weird like yeah, yeah, yeah. They had a weird season on them. Like, you could shoot them from this day to that day. Like, it was only, like, 15 days of the season. Yeah, like, get the fuck yep. out of here. Yeah, they're only here for those days. <laughs> You're just confusing the fuck out of me. Right, right. Yeah, so it's, I mean, some of those, they do that, which also, I mean, I am not don't want to go down that rabbit hole again of my how much I hate the hen restriction on mallards. But, um, yeah, certain species you can only shoot one of. But for the most part, ducks as a whole are doing pretty dang good like there's there's a lot of ducks around yeah and we'll see even more of that well i can't wait to get the data and maybe i hope we can do an episode on this very very soon on the um the survey 
the U.S. U.S. Fish and Wildlife oh, yeah. duck duck survey, which should it comes out in August. And I'm sure I'm going to get a lot of uh, uh, Google alerts when it does. Well, I sent and another. I, I, I can't wait to I can't wait to see it. I sent Steve Gortz another email, so hopefully he gets back to me soon. And I can get that episode. That'll just be a main episode. That won't be a Waterfall Wednesday episode, but it was uh, it was a pretty good one last time, and it'll, it'll be kind of be always good. I want hopefully we can get him in before the season actually starts. It'll kind of be good to get a state of the state for waterfall hunting here in Minnesota, just to I, see where we're at. I agree. I agree. Well, man, we've been rolling for forty minutes. Should yeah. we thank our sponsors? We should. We oh, we have those. No, we're done with that part already. Yeah. <laughs> I got some fake I got some fake sponsors though. Oh sweet. <laughs> okay, my fake sponsor of the week is um Soundgear Hearing Protection. Okay. Now they're they're, now that they're, they're fully paid they're for. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, but here's what they they did do for me is uh my left one was starting to cut in and out. And I wear them all the time. Uh, the reason I always tell people to get sound gears is because they Bluetooth to your phone. And if you don't Bluetooth your, I'm talking to you on a sound gear phantom right now. Like I have a, I'm wearing my headphones, but I have a sound gear phantom in my oh, right cool. ear to hear to hear you. So that's how I, that's how I always do the podcast is with the sound gear phantom in my right ear. And I go to the gym. I wear my sound gear phantoms, and I listen to music on them. Well, my left one went out, and I got it last year at Game Fair. So about a year i wear them every day i jog in them and bike in them and listen to just do chores around the house wearing them i hunt in them everything and uh so they're like here's your ups leg label to get that um earbud fixed i was like okay so i grabbed a box i threw it in there this was on a monday i put it in the ups drop location at the grocery store threw it in that ups box the next monday i had my earbud back sweet yeah, that was that's freaking crazy good Christmas, dude. Like they fixed my earbud, sent it back. I had it in seven days. Like that. Um, and that do those includes shipping time and for do, there do, and back. Do those magnify or like do they amplify like ambient sounds too? Like you can kind of yeah, yeah, yeah. Turn you it up. Have, yeah, and on my uh, when I got them back, I went pigeon hunting and I listened to the Ramsey Russell always duck season somewhere with Chris Nikolai. I listened to that in my sound gears while I was hunting. That's so I cool. was like, you know, <laughs> a solo hunting. I was just sitting there listening to a podcast and oh, bang, bang, bang. But, um, so sound gear, uh, is our fake sponsor. If, uh, if you guys want sound gear, make sure, uh, you use, uh, um, Nick J as your discount code, and then uh, ask them why they don't sponsor this podcast when they <laughs> when they say that's not a real discount code. <laughs> they should sponsor. Send sound to your message and say you know, I'll reach out to. He's him. already, you know, like God, we're terrible at this. Uh, I'm a terrible businessman. Like, yeah, you we're just definitely sponsor the away. show, but I'm already telling people to buy your shit. <laughs> well, same with Boss. We, I was like. How much Boss, yeah. free advertising have we given Boss? Boss is good. They they got great shot shells. Their or, logo you know, is their can... logo is still on like the podcast. True, the, it is the, the it? image because I've just been too lazy. You to haven't changed take it. Take it off. <laughs> you know what? You can get better shot shells than Boss. Um, you could you could get a tungsten blend. Tungsten blends are better than bismuth blends. There you go. But a Boss shot shell is running like what? 
I don't know. I think last year they're like a dollar forty to a dollar eighty per shot shell. A tungsten blend is going to go from five dollars to fifteen dollars. Like, yeah, you can get a little bit better. Well, they're 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 pretty much a lot better. But you know, a tungsten blend shot shell, it just goes steel, bismuth, tungsten. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So there's like a, there's a big fucking leap in the cost of right. a premium shot shell between a bismuth and a tungsten, and there's no like middle ground. So like. If you want to get better than steel, go with bismuth. And I mean, and if you don't want to spend crazy money on shot shells, go with bismuth. So it just kind of, it's just a hat. Yeah. yeah, It just fits right into that happy middle ground. And they happen to be a good company with good ethics, um, good customer service, um, good all around product, clean shooting shot shells. That's what you got. You got Nick J just, um, ruining his fucking business by telling you to buy these <laughs> products without getting any money for it. <laughs> eh, you know, I keep telling myself it'll pay off someday. <laughs> yeah. How about Dave Smith decoys? They look like geese. The end. The end. Dude, you know what else kind of burns my ass? Let's let's do a decoy tangent just for one second. Okay. All right. I was talking about this with Ben Webster the other day because I was watching uh, the YouTube series, The Dream Job. This is, and they're using on, these this, eight... is where, this is where I should cut it off and then go, to hear Nick J's rant, sign up for premium content. At our... <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that would be right. But here's the thing. Well, we'll okay. give it to you for they free. Got... So they're, they're hunting over all these Avian X decoys, and I think Dakota decoy sponsored them now. Anyways, but in these... In these um, I think it was the Dream Job Season 3, Episode 4. Um, they're using Avian X decoys. And this is not the first time I've seen this. Those Avian X decoys look beautiful, right? They're they're I like them. fantastic. They're great looking. They're, they're hunting lessers, and they're using all these Avian X lesser decoys. But the stakes Ugh. are so fucking long. Like, the decoys sit, like, knee height before you even, like, before. Yeah. Like, that's the bottom of their belly is at the the height of your knee and it's like okay you went through all the fucking time to make this nice looking beautiful decoy you had these chinamen just painted up <laughs> fantastic you had the head flocked you even got a little white spot on the eyeball or whatever look gloss on the eyeballs nail polish on it whatever the fuck they do and then the fucking goose decoy sits up like it's got 20 inch legs <laughs> and they're eye to eye with the sandhill crane what the fuck is that? <laughs> and people are like, oh, you can... I like how they sit above the stubble. Like, no, I like it when they look real. You know right. what doesn't look real? This, this like, crane lesser you have created. <laughs> and then they sell stakes that are even higher. Well, I mean, deep snow? I don't know. I'm trying to... Okay, let's take, a less, let's take a lesser Canada or a cackling goose's legs. Let's measure them. Okay, they're About two four inches, inches long. Yeah, yeah, yeah they're, yeah, they're two yeah. to four inches long. You, those things should be on the ground as, I mean, if you just care about realism. And if you're somebody who's buying Avian X decoys, you should be somebody who cares about realism because they look very realistic and they're very expensive. Right, that's probably, I mean, you're why, you're, that's probably why you're choosing that brand. Exactly. So if they're you're going beautiful. for visibility, you'd be using like a silhouette or a Bigfoot. Big yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So, but no, 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 no. You like a realistic decoy, so you bought an Avian X lesser 
because you want to get a bunch of these lessers in the trailer and they look good. And then you're just going to set them all up <laughs> standing like they're on fucking stilts. And I, it just, uh, I, I love this rant, it by the way, it this doesn't is, amuses me. It doesn't look real. <laughs> it doesn't look fucking real. <laughs> like, I do have to say at, it does bother you. Cause I do have, I have some less, uh, avian lessers. And when I go to, especially like, early season we'll be in a cut alpha alpha field or something and that ground is usually like concrete and you can barely get the stakes in anyways and so right it's one thing yeah. if you can and push those, them in deeper to get them down like there but thick. i do i like it does bother me that they stick up so so tall right but, and the stakes are pretty thick they're like a quarter yeah, inch around yeah. but so the, they're tough to put an end to anything that's not mud but it does those stakes will be helpful if you're hunting something like sheet water yes yes but that's that's the exception. That's not the rule. Right. And if you want a decoy to look realistic, you don't have it fucking stand up like it's on stilts. All right, if, rant's if, over. And if you need if you need episode. a stake that long for sheet water, <laughs> just throw a floating a floater in there and be done with it. But <laughs> the greater the the full size avian X's with that classable stand system, though, I still really dig that. I love. That, that's, I, that's I hate stake systems in general. Like it's just a pain in the butt. Having a right. two-step two process. Yes, yes. 100%. and a stand is always better because it works on ice, it works on concrete. Agreed. You, don't, not... have, you don't have to drill in a hole first when the ground is frozen in the spring. Exactly. The problem is they always are going to take up more room. Correct. But at least at least you can use them. <laughs> Anyways, dude, let's, end, let's fucking end this episode All right, on dude. that. Sounds good. All right. Until next time. Until next time. Maybe I'll chat with you while I'm in uh, North Dakota next week. That'd be cool. All right, dude. Chat with you later. Bye. You'd think, with four of us spread out on a tiny island, that the task of tagging a whitetail would not be a big thing. But, as I've learned, no matter where I've been, whitetails can be damn tricky. Pursuing wild game in wild places. Tune in to Hunt Stand Presents Saturdays at 8.30 p.m. Eastern. Waypoint TV, the destination for outdoor entertainment. You want to succeed, you want to fish, you want to be one of the greatest. Tune in to West Marine's Life on the Water, presented by Costa Custom Boats, every Saturday night from 7 to 9 p.m. Eastern on Waypoint TV.